Well, good morning. Welcome to Restore Church. That's like your fifth welcome, so you should feel very welcome today. Um, we are excited that you're here, and I'm excited today because I get to talk about something that I'm not very good at, but that I think uh, we should all experiment with, and that's art. I'm so amazed, like constantly taking in the art in Washington, D.C., right? It's everywhere, uh, whether it's the architecture or going to the museums. It's really everywhere, and it's incredible, phenomenal art that people come from around the world to see. Um, and as I take in that art, every time I find myself like uh, instinctively beginning to study it, I have to be honest, I'm not really studying it because I want to like, understand where the artist was coming from or what it's really all about. I'm studying it because I'm curious, like, could I replicate this piece of art? And I'm like, staring at it, wondering, you know, could I make this happen? Um, oftentimes with architecture, like, could I build this thing? And almost always I come to the conclusion that no, there's no way I could replicate this piece of art. Which leads me to think then that me replicating it is not really art, is it? It's the originality, it's the creativity, the, that's the true genius behind art. And it can't be replicated, it has to be original. Um, that then begins to stir in me this uh, feeling that I need to create something. That if someone else could make something original, this beautiful, there must be something that I could make. And so my mind, uh, you know, goes a, a swirl with different things. And sometimes I think about storytelling. How could I tell a story better? Or is there a story in my life that my neighbors need to hear or I want to tell my family? And then I begin to think about how could I creatively tell this story that's unique uh, to me. So that makes me wonder, what is it that intrigues you? What captivates you or draws you in? What beckons you to come closer to taste and to listen? What stops you in your tracks? Maybe it's music. Maybe when that hot beat drops, you just stop in your tracks and you're like, oh, I love this music, and you forget what you were doing because you're so like, stuck in the moment. Or maybe when you see, maybe it's nature, right? You see a beautiful sunset and you're just captivated and you, you just can't move. You're just sucked into this moment. Maybe for some of you, it smells, right? Um, the sense that we have that's tied the most to memory is smells. And so you might just be walking down the street and catch a whiff of something and uh, it begins to it just stops you and makes you think about uh, a past experience or whatnot. So when you're stuck and when you're, when you're like drawn in, when you're captivated by something, what is it that your mind then dreams about? What brings your imagination to the driver's seat of your mind? For some of you, you might begin to dream about vacation because you need a break, right? And you're like, where would be an amazing place for me to go? Maui, or maybe I want to go ski the Alps or the Grand Canyon, something like that. Uh, maybe it's uh, imagining a vacation. Or maybe you're like me, and seeing creativity and beauty uh, stirs something inside of you that makes you want to create. It doesn't have to be um, art. It doesn't have to be painting. Maybe you feel that stirring to create uh, a new cake and bake something. Or maybe it's to organize flowers or uh, to write a new blog. Or for me, oftentimes, uh, I'm, I really want to work more on woodworking. It's something that I'm intrigued by, really fascinated by. I'm not very good at it, but it's something that uh, I feel that I like to dream about creating. Here in DC, we're surrounded by art. Um, there's phenomenal museums. Uh, there's all this incredible architecture that I often point out with my little boys as we're walking around. Um, and we have all of this art that we can appreciate around us. One of the most significant pieces of art uh, in our area that if you haven't been to, you've got to go check out, and it's the National Cathedral. Um, it is 
amazing. It's incredible. You just walk through it and you see not only the architecture, but the stained glass and the paintings and the sculptures. And it's everywhere. Uh, there are designs in the floor and in the railings and in the doors. And just you can just sit there in one room for hours and take it all in. That's why we're going to begin uh, today. We're beginning this series um, called The Artistry of God. And it's a series that I'm excited about because I think it's something that we don't often think about. We don't often associate art with God. Um, but I believe, uh, and hopefully today at the end of the message, you will also believe that art comes from God. So we're going to study why did God create art? Why did he give it to us? And what are we supposed to do it with it? Like what's our responsibility with art? Now, you might be like me and you might um, not fully comprehend the complexities of art. And that's okay. You can still enjoy it. You can still appreciate it. And my hope is that it will stir something inside of you to create something in your own way. Pablo Picasso says that, or said, that art washes away from the soul the dust of everyday life. I like that. We all, we're all kind of searching for a break from the monotony. We're all looking for uh, a respite from the day-to-day, -day, right? And I believe that just like art stirs in people imagination, I believe that Christians should play the same role in our communities, that we should stir inside of people something unique and something different and something that maybe they haven't expressed before. Um, and I, it's my belief that that's uh, one of the, art is one of the things that God uses um, for us to do that. I think Christians should become catalysts in the lives of not yet Christians. Um, Carrie put this up on, online earlier, this quote from the message, um, from this message, and it says, I believe that we are the art of Silver Spring. I think that uh, we should be, as Christians, change agents who evoke questions and a desire to know more about this Jesus in his profoundly radical way. We should be stirring change in people. Um, but I think what often happens is instead of stirring imagination or bringing to light beauty in people's lives, oftentimes uh, Christians are really living lives that look just like our neighbors. Uh, we're living lives that are exhausted, predictable, hopeless. We say things like, I'm overworked and underpaid. Sounds just like our neighbors, right? We say things like, I don't have enough. Uh, and so we begin to use each other for personal gain, which draws us further and further into our own individualistic bubble that we live in, right? Surrounded by people who look like us and act like us and talk like us. Uh, and then we judge other people from that place. And it's just this rabbit hole that we go down um, that really is not an accurate represent, representation of who God is. We should be the art in our community's front yard. We should be, our lives should be begging people to come closer and experience Christ. But instead, I think oftentimes as Christians, our lives just kind of fade into the background of culture. People kind of just see us as like everyone else. And I, I want to encourage you today to not uh, live that way. This, this way of living, it, it, it stirs and it, it brings to light in people this idea. They think that our God is a boring God. And I'm here to tell you, he is anything but boring. He's the opposite of boring. But if you're not a Christian, if you're not following Christ, where are you going to look to better understand him? You're going to look at his followers, right? And as you look at the followers of God as, at Christians, we're the ones who bear his image. We're the ones who hold his name. Uh, and we're the ones who represent him in so many ways. 
But when our neighbors look at us to figure out who God is, what they see is not really that exciting, right? They see Christians living cloistered lives in our holy huddles, judging people from above. They see us leading boring lives, and they think it's because we're constrained by all the rules of this overlord who wants us to just stay under his thumb and do what he wants. Just looking from that perspective, think about it if you're from a minority culture, right? And you have a history wrought with oppression and restriction. Thinking about God in that boring light of oppression and living underneath, that's not attractive. That's not something that people are uh, engaged in. And it's also not uh, who God is. It doesn't represent him. Thinking that God is boring, nothing could be further from the truth. We worship the God of the arts. Let me say that again. We worship the God of the arts. Arts, Art is one of the humanities. Uh, At the college that I went to, our humanities program was a very big, important piece for every student. And art was a specific area of what it means to be human. Um, And so art is something that God made and something that he wants us to experience. It's something that he gave us, this gift, so that we could experience his beauty. He created art so that we could experience his love and that we could really comprehend the heart of God. He gave us art because, as you all know, right, a picture's worth a thousand words. words. Thank you. Yeah, a picture's worth a thousand. I couldn't remember if it was a million or something, so thanks, Tyler. Picture's worth a thousand words. Um, It is, right? There's something about art and pictures that evoke this feeling inside of you. You can't quite put your finger on it. You might not be able to express through words. And that's one of the reasons why God has given us art, so that he could show us who he is. Our God is the most imaginative, exciting creator ever. I have a picture up here. It's uh, done by Michelangelo. And it's a picture um, from, it's the painting from the Sistine Chapel, and it's called The Creation of Adam. Um, And so it's a painting of, there it is, all right. So I don't know if you can see that, but it's, um, this is Adam over here and God. And I love that it shows a likeness. It doesn't show God as this like clouded, mystical, you know, undefined character. It shows very clearly, I believe, that we were made in God's image. Um, And it's an artistic, you know, representation of that. There's a lot more in that piece of art that I would love to dive in with you. Um, But instead, I want to tell you who I believe God is. I believe that God speaks to us in lots of different ways. I think he paints with the yellows of the sun and the greens of the pine. He cooks with the jasmine of the field and the mango of the tree. He's the God who builds with the lava of Vesuvius and the waters of the Colorado River. He's a creative God. He made art and he put it inside of each one of us. He's a God who uses lots of different creative methods and modes to reach us and to speak with us. Art is one of them. And sometimes God has used different methods like in the Old Testament and the New Testament, God used dreams and visions to Uh, elicit these uh, new thoughts and to drive people, his people, in a new direction. Uh, God could have very easily just handed Jacob or Joseph a piece of paper, right? I mean, God could create a piece of paper back then or a rock or something that said, here's what I want you to do. But he didn't because our God is a creative God. And instead, he gave them visions. He gave Jacob and Joseph these visions that would change the landscape of culture and would save thousands of lives. In the New Testament, God gave Peter 
um, one of his disciples, and Paul, one of the apostles, he gave them visions that would change not only the course of their lives and risk their lives, but would also change the course of Christianity and would one day bring Christianity here to America. Paul, or, um, sorry, Peter, he had this vision where God told him, you're no longer constricted by the dietary laws of the Jewish people. That would have been a really risky decision for Peter to wake up from and decide, I'm going to be all in. You know, God told me to do it, I'm going to do it. But Peter did it, and now today, Gentile and Jew can go into the kingdom together. The Apostle Paul, God gave him a vision and told him to go a different direction as he was spreading churches, planting churches around the world. And that spread churches through Asia and Africa and eventually brought them here to America because Peter and Paul recognized God's creative uh, capacity and they listened. There's so much that we can learn from God and from his artistic um, side. And I think one of the easiest ways for us to do that, or per- maybe not easiest, but perhaps uh, most profound ways is for us to recognize that God created us in his image. He made us, just like in the painting, to look like him. And part of that means that he put inside of each one of us this imaginative creative. Now, creative is this, um, this idea, it's this uh, picture of, um, of who God is. Um, and as a creative, we use this where we throw it around a lot in our culture today. And that word creative is often used to identify people who are coming up with new things. And, I, and it should be, right? But what I believe is that God put a creative inside of every one of us. And that those people that we recognize today as a creative are merely people who have unlocked that potential. They're people who are living into that artistic side that God has given them. I, I believe that we all have that inside of us because God made us in his image. Now, this is really funny for me to tell you guys that there's a creative inside of all of us because I'm sure in this room I'm the least creative person here. Um, in fact, my five-year-old son, Noah, uh, he easily outdoes me when it comes to Legos. And my seven-year-old, Caleb, every time we're outside playing, he's always got a new scenario of some game we should play, and it's always very unique. Uh, the other day we were playing zombie tag. You can imagine how that went. So. Um, we have the creativity of kids um, is quite beautiful, um, and we all have that inside of us, it's my belief, and that as we grow older, we often set it aside or we push it under the rug, right, and we forget that God made us to think like that and to live like that. So as we dive into who God is and how he is the great artist, I wanted to stop and focus on for just a second on one of Restore Church's cultural markers, something that we at Restore Church believes identifies us, like sets us apart and makes us unique. And one of those concepts is scholarship. And you can find these all on our website. Um, We believe here at Restore that instead of minimizing the sacred words of scripture down to like boiling it down to some three-point self-help sermon, instead we want to engage in the challenging thoughts of a creative God. We want to study and we want to ask difficult questions. We even want to admit that we don't have it all figured out. That's a part of scholarship and, and something that we want to do. And so today, we're going to dive into who God is and, and why art. Why did he give us art? In Psalm 34, verse 8, it says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. We're invited in to relationship with him. We're asked to come and engage him and to see that the Lord is good, to understand it. It says to taste, right? 
We're called to use all of our different senses, and we can't do that just by reading the Bible. There have to be other ways that we engage God and we recognize his beauty in this world. And as we do that, I believe that we become more creative ourselves and start to make beautiful things on our own. This God, this creator God, he is the ultimate creative, and he made us just like him. So to better understand his creative nature, we need to look at his human image, his son, Jesus Christ, who came to earth and was fully God and fully man. Testament, in the very beginning of the Bible, the picture of who Jesus is, and in the uh, Old Testament, in the very beginning of the Bible, the book of Genesis, um, as God's talking about creating us, there's this concept uh, in Latin called the Imago Dei that comes out of that, that God made us in his image, that he created us to look like him. We're the only creatures in all of creation that bear his likeness. We're the only ones. Animals are not capable of creating or admiring art. Now, I know what you're probably thinking. You probably saw that monkey on TV who builds with Legos, or maybe on the internet you saw the elephant with the paintbrush, right? Anybody seen that? No? Uh, so the elephant with the paintbrush, right? Let's just take that for example. The elephant's not actually creating anything. It's either mimicking a painting over here, or it's just like going like this across. That's not creative. God didn't make elephants with a creative nature that is in God. He created mankind in his uh, image. And so that's why art is one of the humanities, because to better understand what it means to be human and therefore better understand what it means to be like God, we have to understand the arts and we have to engage in them. One of my favorite authors, Brian Zond, he says, since art is part of what makes us uniquely human, art is connected with God. Because you cannot define what it means to be human apart from God. Humans were uniquely made. We're the only ones capable of digesting, enjoying, comprehending creation and art. And he made us this way for a reason. Did you know that the human eye can comprehend and can take in over 10 million colors? I didn't even know 10 million colors. I thought there was like five. No, there's 10 million colors, and the human eye can take in 10 million colors. And this will blow your mind if you're a scientist. The human eye can see a single photon. Now, I'm no scientist, but I've heard that a photon's super tiny, right? This is smaller than the point of a pin. But the human eye can see a single photon. The human mouth is capable of registering over 500,000 different tastes. And if you want to taste like 1,000 of them, you should have dinner with Tyler. Um, but really, 500,000 tastes, that's, that's incredible. You can't look at that and look at the human eye and say that God is boring or that having created us in his image, he doesn't want us to enjoy art and to experience life and to take in his creation. We were made for this purpose. The art of creation was made to be used to bring praise to God and so that we can use the beauty in it to bring others along with us as we praise him. And God hasn't just uh, left us out in the dark to bring people to praise him. He's given us all of this art and all of these tools. He's given them to us at our disposal. In Psalm 8, uh, 3 through 4, it says, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? 
God's created these huge, massive balls of gas and fire in the sky, right? That we, don't, we haven't even seen half of them. But God created all of those things, and not haphazardly, but with order and with beauty so that we could enjoy them and so that we could take them in, so that we could use art. God gave it to us. He gave us creation as a gift. Not so that we could destroy um, creation or so that we could overuse it or misuse it. He gave us creation so that we could admire it, so that we could care for it and create out of it as we use it to its fullest. If, if we just preserve creation, that's not enough. God also wants us to use it. And that's why he gave us dominion over it. Not so we could destroy it, but so that we could use it. Um, and one of the ways we use it is to create art. All right, so let's get down to the nitty-gritty. What, what, do you, what do I do with this, Andy? Like, I hear you saying, be more creative, check out art, all that. Okay, I'll go see an art museum. Good, you should do that. Here's what else I think you should do as you begin to become artistic. Um, think outside of the box. Don't just think about art in terms of paintbrushes or clay, but think about the things that really get you dreaming. Um, and maybe you need to go be around some art to start dreaming, or maybe you need to experience some new things, or go on a vacation, or, or watch a sunset. Um, do something that will stir in you these creative juices. Uh, there's a, a guy named Soren uh, Kierkegaard, phenomenal guy. He writes this, he says, a sparrow a fly, a poisonous insect, is an object of God's creation. It's not a wasted or lost life. But masses of mimickers, a crowd of copycats, are wasted lives. God has been merciful to us, demonstrating his grace to the point of being willing to involve himself with every person. And if we prefer to be like all the others, this amounts to high treason against God. We who simply go along are guilty, and our punishment is to be ignored by God. What faith it takes to believe that one's life is noticed by God and that that is enough. Okay, that's a really powerful statement. That's, it, it's a little, little more powerful than I'm really comfortable with. But I hope it drives home the point that God doesn't want us to blend into the crowd. He didn't create you to look like everyone else. We're not supposed to be boring, predictable people. And whatever way it is that you stand out and that you elicit questions uh, from the people around you about why you live this way, I'm encouraging you to do it, to take that uniqueness that God put inside of you and to create something, to let that uniqueness out and to make something that I can't make for you, right? And that, that the artist down the street can't paint for you. You have to be the one to make it. True art, I believe, um, captures a moment or a feeling. It, it's an expression of an experience that's specific to you. Um, it can't be mass-produced or mimicked. To, in order to be original, in order to be true art, it must be original, an unadulterated expression of that moment that you experienced. We don't allow it to be tainted by what others think. We simply let our feelings flow out onto the canvas. Now, I know what you're thinking, right? This is like fluffy, airy, like artsy talk, you know? Um, I'm not an artist by nature, although I'm telling you all that we're all artists by nature. But uh, my, I, I haven't been good at art in the past. But let me tell you, I, I really believe that God made all of us to be artists and that it might take some flowery, fluffy language. Maybe you need to read a different type of literature. Maybe you need to listen to some different music or you need to 
uh, go walk an art museum, whatever it is that you need to do, go out and engage that and allow that artsy side um, that I believe is of God to come out, allow it to come out to play. Uh, in, uh, even if it's radical, even if your art becomes radical or it's complicated and people don't understand it, even if it's completely new, even if you have to color outside the lines, do it. Engage in the artistic side for you. In Romans 12, 2, the Apostle Paul writes, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, specifically in that passage, Paul's talking about sin, that, that we should act differently and not be sinners anymore. But I believe it's also referring to as we transform our minds and become more like God, we need to be creators like God. One of God's best, most magnificent, incredible traits is creator. And we often just set that aside and said, God made me like him in all these other ways, but, but not in this way. He didn't make me creative. I think one of the reasons that we get to that as adults is because we're no longer kids. And I think watching children, you can really uh, see what it's like to live unhindered, to have this like uh, new portal unlocked, to get rid of the boundaries of society and the worries of who thinks this about me, uh, to no longer live under those restrictions. Children live like this without boundaries and not caring about self-preservation until a certain age, right? And then they grow out of it. And I think that's, I don't think that's a good thing. I think uh, we should go back to our childhood and like Jesus says, to come to him like a child. Uh, Pablo Picasso, another quote from him. Every child is an artist. The problem is how to remain an artist once we grow up. So I want to encourage you guys to invent, to imagine, to dream. And I brought some art with me that might inspire you. I don't know. This might be inspiring to you. Uh, this is one of my, uh, Caleb is in first grade, he's my son. Uh, this is his cat, beautiful cat. Um, and this piece of art is definitely one of my favorites. It hangs very prominently in our home. And uh, Caleb created this last year in kindergarten. And he titled it, uh, The Crab and the Bee. The crab will try to fight the bee, and the bee uh, tried to fight back. Now, as an adult, right, we know that crabs and bees never interact, right? Right? A crab lives under the ocean and a bee lives inland in a tree. They do not interact. There's no hypothetical scenario in which bees and crabs are fighting each other. It just doesn't happen. But for a kindergartner, why not, right? There are no boundaries. And when we start living outside the boundary, this to me, like, I don't know why this is so profound to me. I love it. But um, this to me, I hope that begins to maybe stir inside of you some new creativity. Uh, this one is from my Noah. This little guy, he takes um, Legos. We, so far, we've only bought Legos in packs that are designed to create something, right? So we buy a Batman mobile, right? And he makes the Batman mobile, and, or the Batmobile, I guess is all it's called, the Batmobile, or he, uh, we get something that builds a castle, right? So he builds the castle, follows the directions, and then afterwards, literally, like within 24 hours, he destroys it. And the first couple of times he did this, I was so disappointed because the order inside of me as an adult, I was like, what are you doing? This took two days to build. Um, but he then takes and he builds things like this. Um, this is his uh, fighter mobile. And this right here is a detachable robot named Ed, I think is what he told me his name was. So uh, children can create things like this, right? Um, but adults, sometimes we have... Uh, created so many restrictions in our life that we 
don't allow ourselves to be creative. When I was in college taking the humanities course, uh, our professors encouraged us. They said, you guys need to take some time and create some art. And I was like, uh, this is not me. No. Like, I don't, I don't have any idea what to do. I started writing poems. I'm like, ah, oh, this is not going to work. It didn't work on the ladies in middle school, so it's probably not going to work now. Um, I, I tried painting. This is not my painting, um, by the way. This is my grandma's painting. Um, I tried all sorts of different things, and nothing really hit. Then uh, I tried some stained glass, and this is, this took me forever to make and to imagine, which is not really super creative. But uh, this is the Cairo. These are the first two letters of Christ. And in the middle is a mirror to remind me that I should be a reflection of Christ. And this took me forever to create. Like, it took me forever. But um, I was also inspired in that time. And it was one of the things I'm most proud of that I've made. Uh, so it really does unlock this potential inside of you. This is a painting. This is one of my grandma's first paintings. Um, she doesn't look at anything when she's painting them. She just paints them. Afterwards, you should come up and take a look. It's actually like, I don't know what you call it. Tom would know. It's, it's some sort of three-dimensional paint, right? So it's, it's, it's incredible. This is one of her first pieces of art. My grandma's in her 90s now. I think she's 92 now. Um, she has a warehouse when we went to visit her this last fall uh, with over 1,000 paintings. And this is one of the small ones. She has ones that are like half the size of this wall. A thousand paintings. That's incredible. My grandma had never done art until 10 years ago and she just decided to try it. So be creative, be imaginative, step outside of the box, try something new. It's okay to fail. Get up and try again. Um, Eugene Peterson says uh, that what the biblical revelation tells us, a revelation that's summed up and completed in Jesus is that we can't become more like Jesus or more pleasing or acceptable to God by becoming less human, by becoming less physical, less emotional, less involved with our families, less associated with socially or morally undesirable people. We don't become more spiritual by becoming less human. And we lose touch with our humanity when we deprive God of his humanity. Jesus, God in the flesh, as a human, shows us the full potential of Genesis chapter 1 and 2. We see the full potential of God making us in his image in the person of Jesus. And that's who we should look more like. In the end, I think it comes down to us lightening up a little bit, enjoying life. Um, I think our neighbors, as we said earlier, see us as boring, sheltered, fearful people who they just don't want to be around. Um, and that's not a good representation of Christ. Um, I know I'll tell you just a few quick stories about uh, our neighborhood. There's have been some incredible opportunities that we've had speaking with our neighbors. I just want to share a couple stories um, that I think will help uh, with how to talk about, how to use creative arts and how to use the beauty that God has given us to talk to people about Jesus. Um, there's a third grade girl who lives down the street from us um, and she loves to sing. But I noticed she only sings when she doesn't think people are watching. And she's always in our front yard. All these kids are always in our front yard. So she's, she, a couple times I just happened to be walking through the yard and she didn't realize I was behind her and I heard her singing and I would comment like, that's beautiful. Like, th you're such a good singer. Of course, she got really embarrassed and ran off. She's getting into this age now. We've been with her uh, in this neighborhood for two years. She's getting this age now where she's beginning to begin adolescence, right? And in adolescence, people figure out, who the heck am I? How do I fit in? And one of the biggest ways that kids do that is by looking at how other people react, right? They want to know how we feel. And so I think that just by us affirming that she's a great singer, and then on Friday, she built a swing in my front yard, literally out of a string and some sticks, and it works. 
Um, and affirming that creative in her, just affirming that, uh, I believe, is an act of God. It's something that we should be doing. Uh, really quickly, another one of my neighbors, uh, he's an older, retired guy um, who is in the Navy uh, and oftentimes has a very crass outlook on life. Uh, and he uh, can sometimes be a, a bitter and like an old codger kind of, kind of fella. Uh, well, a year ago, um, Restore in the kids' ministry, they made these little invite cards to come to church. And we were outside talking one day to this guy, and uh, my little Noah comes up. He was four then, and he said, oh, I got an invitation for you to church. And he ran off. And as he ran off, I looked at the guy, and I said, I, I, know, I, you know, I said, hey, I know that church isn't your thing. We talked about it before. Totally fine. If you would just, just take the card from, from my little Noah, just don't break his heart. You know, like, just take the card. You can throw it away. I don't hold him. Just take it from him, okay? So he comes back, and Noah gives him this card. And this tough old man hugs my little four-year-old, and then starts crying. And then he tells me <clears throat> that he's going to hang it on his refrigerator at his house. Now, this guy doesn't have any family. He doesn't have any kids. So what do you think is hanging on his refrigerator? Not much, right? It doesn't look like my fridge does. But now he's got a picture, um, and I think it says he is risen. I think it was from Easter. He's got a picture of, of Jesus hanging on his, uh, on his refrigerator because my little kid decided to make art for him. And that's that's beautiful. That's allowing art to express who God is so that we can praise him for it. Okay, uh, let me read this quote. To whisper into the souls of not yet Christians, we need to lie in the grass under a starry sky with them. We need to wander with them through an art gallery. The universe is a wonderful testimony to the glory of God, and it's possible to awaken not yet Christians by our own wonder and appreciation of its complexity and mystery. Sometimes as Christians, we think we got to get other people to do stuff, but sometimes it's on you. If we are in awe of creation and like we are just awestruck at the beauty of what God has made and we're pausing to experience that and bring other people into that beauty, it looks different. And we have opportunities in those moments when we're experiencing beauty to name Jesus, to say, yeah, he's the one who created the person who made this art. He's the one who created in the very beginning and, and made us in his image so that we would be creative. And that's one of the opportunities that we have as Christians is to name Jesus in that time. Uh, in, the, in the book of Acts, which is the book about what the church looks like, uh, it comes in the New Testament right after the stories about Jesus. In the book of Acts, which is all about what the church, how the church grew and what it began to look like, the very last word in the book of Acts um, is a Greek word, akalutos, and it means unstoppable, unhindered. See, in the Bible, the story of the church, what this is here, the body of believers coming together, it never stopped. It wasn't an end to that chapter. It was merely a continuation. And we're called to be a continuation of that, to spread the good news. And one of the most profound ways we can do it is by enjoying beauty, by praising God for it and by inviting other people uh, to praise him with us. I want to close with this quote. That's from one of my favorite authors, Michael Frost. He says, when predictability is high, impact is low. In other words, when the audience thinks they know what you're going to say and you go ahead and say it, your words make very little impact. You could say when your neighbors think they know what you're going to say as a Christian or when your family thinks they know what you're going to say as a Christian the impact is very low. On the other hand, when an audience is surprised or intrigued, they'll think long and hard about what they have heard. It's our job as Christians to awaken 
the curiosity of others. And art is such a profound way to do it. We should be surprising people every once in a while. Go back and read about Jesus. He was constantly surprising people, not always making them happy, but he was surprising people, right? And if we wanna be like him, we need to slow down. We need to admire beauty and we need to take it in. This is my prayer for us. May our appreciation for the arts and our creating of new arts bring us to praise the great creator God and to point through these arts back to him for the sake of our neighbors.